I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 454. Or at least that's what you told me. It is 454, Okay, Terry. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to have to just blindly trust you on this one. As you should. You should always blindly trust me. <laughs> There's never a time when I steer you down the wrong path. Uh, I think our listeners, after all these years, Would definitely agree. know that's not <laughs> accurate right there, right off the bat. So mm. welcome in, everyone. Um, kind of a little mix mash of things going on this weekend. Uh, in terms of official DGPT stuff, Technically a weekend off, even though a majority of our players were traveling from somewhere in the East Coast or somewhere in the East, as in like, even though I guess I wouldn't consider Arkansas East, but traveling from Arkansas to get over to the West Coast. Some are still en route. Some are finally arriving now. And some, a few of them, got on a plane even or just hightailed it right out of Arkansas to still get over to the West Coast uh, to arrive at uh, the Santa Cruz Masters Cup this weekend. And so a little mixture of all of that. I personally, which we'll talk about, was uh, had the pleasure of heading down to check out the Huck Central, uh, benefiting the Mary Sunshine House. And uh, so that's where I was at. Meanwhile, all of that is happening, and Johnny V is taking down big-time tournaments in Wisconsin. <laughs> no, I'm not, Terry. Uh, I didn't book a guest because I expected oh, a yeah. full-blown breakdown and analysis from you oh, tonight. Uh, on Standing Rocks? The standing on your Rocks victory. Open? Oh, my victory. Oh, it was so sad. I was so close. You know, as I'm going to make fun of Yuli here, though. I'm on the precipice, Terry. I'm so close. I can feel it's in me. Ah. It's right there. I'm just got to get over the hump. No. Uh, I shot... Real quick, talking about Standing Rocks, um, two courses, west and east. The west is a harder course. East is the easy course where you should be shooting a couple under par. Um, I shot just slightly under my rating, honestly. Mm. I I think I finished 44th or 45th out of 55 or something crazy. Okay. Didn't pay much this attention. This is the MP40 division? M- MP40 di- uh, division, correct. Okay. Uh, on, uh, I, it was I, all Masters this weekend, it, right? All Masters, which honestly was quite interesting having an entire division of just old dudes yeah and i'm part of our age and i'm part of them yeah um so it was cool because i got to see people who i haven't seen in 10 or 15 years uh i got to play with people that i played in advanced and competed with Mm. which was which was just so much fun uh and i came out to the west course where we started the harder course and i shot a three over par which was it felt horrible to me horrible then I went out to the East course and I shot a three under par, which mm. felt mediocre because mm-hmm. I feel like I should be shooting six, seven out there. And then I went over to the West course the next day and I shot an even, which felt okay. Not great. It actually felt worse than the three over I shot because at least the three over, I feel like I had some excuses. It was the first time I'd actually thrown discs practically in nine months. And I had a couple, I turned a couple birdies into bogeys. So I could count like four or five strokes on one hand. Yeah, only five because I got five fingers. Mm. So that I could just easily have gotten back 
without I missed like 20 footers. I turned two 20 footers into bogeys mm. and that hurts as, a, as opposed to the next day. I didn't really have many of those. I missed one 20 footer, I think, or 25 footer. I just wasn't giving myself the opportunity for birdies. And so that overall for the whole weekend shot even out there, which how much, uh, and, and I know the East course has, uh, the property has developed and changed even a little bit there since was, I've been there, but of that West course, which is the West or the East, the West course, yep. the tougher of the two, how many of those holes would I recognize that I've played? Is there, is there a huge variance in the, uh, since the 10 years maybe that I've been up there? I'm guessing there's probably three holes that I'm not sure if you have played before. Okay. If, if it's truly been 10 years, cause I went up there four or five years ago, which I don't believe you were up there with me. No. Um, and there is, so there's probably a handful of holes that you don't remember, don't know. Other than that, on the East course, which is a shorter course, they took out some holes due to some water rising. There used to be a downhill, a 500 foot downhill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's gone. And the next two, the little dinker coming back and the dinker up, not the dinker, but up the hill are both gone, replaced with a different um, temp hole, so to speak, then kind of circle and one or two different ones. But overall, I love the courses. I love the combo of courses. Very, very difficult. And I realize where my game is very much lacking, and it is in flippy plastic. Mm. I just, I have a, I have a leopard that goes very straight to hyzer, and I couldn't get anything to flip over. I couldn't get anything to stand up and turn right. And every time I tried, I tended to yank over on it. And both of those courses, you don't want to be off the fairway usually because they're relatively wooded. You get yourself in trouble. You have to toss out. So anytime I tried to power anything and get it to flip, I tended to just almost a what the F Richard it and just go straight right. So a lot of a lot of these holes I was playing very tentative, which is fine for a first event back in many, many, many months. But it just means I need to get out and practice more. I need to find a few. I need to find a few more flippy discs. I was looking online at maybe maybe the heat or a, a sale or mm. a sidewinder. You're gonna want a heat. I think I might. I've got some in the car. That, oh, well, bring are, them in, Terry. Available for sale today. Yes, bring I, them in. Let, you should definitely try one. And yeah. I say that mostly because I have one in stock and yeah. I've got plenty of them. It was nice. But also, it's a good. It's a great disc. I, I think it is. I mean, it's gonna suit me because I, I am a very much an old man sissy arm now and. It was just really nice, this Masters event, uh, Am and Pro, like I said, seeing some of these people coming up and talking to me about how they enjoy the podcast, or <laughs> more, no mo- more specifically, a lot of them like they enjoy the live broadcast, thinking that I still, you know, I still am involved, but how involved I am, they maybe aren't quite up to date as, you know, like, oh, you got the weekend off, there's no Pro Tour event, that's why you're here, and it's like, no. I have the whole summer off. <laughs> so that was enjoyable, and I had a lot of fun at Standing Rocks. Had a lot of fun staying at an Airbnb with some friends. We got, you know, we went outside on Friday night and putted around. My calves are still a little sore from the weekend. Dang. Not going to lie. That's a, I was, uh, I found off the fairway a few times, a couple hills. It's a very hilly course. It's a ski hill that you play kind of out and around. And it's also really good for mountain biking, I guess. They were showing all the mountain biking trails. All right, uh, let's get to the bottom of this. Last week, you said that there was something wrong with the mic level once we like downloaded the, the yeah. podcast, and then others echoed that, and now there's a few people echoing it on the board. 
So maybe we can do some on what are, well, uh, some live testing. Someone just said a, a moment ago that it sounded like I'm either muted or just really low or you're really hot. So uh, before we go any further, maybe we can uh, well, I'll bump, figure it out. I'll bump your audio up a little bit. I have I had yours down because nobody mutes me. Damn it! I, I, I did. I Terry's mic is completely off. Okay, so here's here's why I did that. I just put a pop filter back on your mic because and i took it off of mine because you tend to have your mouth right up on the mic plosives and not not even so much for the plosives but you're naturally louder than me yeah and you and you get right up on the mic yeah i do you were right up on that mic oh yeah see now okay so so all right well let's see if we can get this figured out before we go too far here tonight i i just i just leveled out our audio so we should be much better now Uh, i turned you up to be exactly where i am everything looks good so we should be uh, a little bit closer All right. now. All right. Should we do a test? Oh, we can. Yeah. Okay. So and this is me talking at what I feel like should be normal level. All right. This is me talking at what I think should be normal level. Good. I'm glad we're taking care of all this now. It's much better after the adjustment. All right. right. Everyone's right. saying now that it sounds good. Thank you very much. Uh, this makes bit, sense to take care of this now. I always fix it in post-production anyway. I've got a tool that auto-levels it. So if it's Terry's a little quiet at times, I'm a little quiet or loud. It just fixes it. But you guys get the live version. Oh, you get it raw. You just get it raw. You get it raw from us. All right. So when it's all said and done, Standing Rocks, I see Dustin Honnold. Dustin Honnold wins. He took it down. He's a, a very solid player out of Minnesota. Used to live in Wisconsin, then was in Minnesota, yeah. or lived in Minnesota. Yeah, he's been back and he, forth. Okay, so yeah. He's, I, he's I one of those guys that's been... Um, where he lives now. Yeah, and no, I'm not saying he's not there now. I'm just saying he's <laughs> he spent time in both Wisconsin and Minnesota uh, throughout his playing career, and uh, congratulations to him. And uh, just the idea, though, of... I don't, I don't want to just call it old school, because there's plenty of tournaments operating this way, mm-hmm. But two rounds on Saturday and one round on Sunday. Was there a skins match Sunday afternoon like they used to do? I don't, I don't believe there was, but we didn't <laughs> Not when you were invited to. Okay. Uh, so if, two rounds on Saturday, one on Sunday. They used to do what the top scores yeah, over individual. And uh, the, the gentleman I drove with probably would have, Steve, would have qualified for that because on the final day, he shot, I think, a 10 or 11 under par, mm. which was amazing in general. But the fact that, after the first round, he was only like two strokes off of me, and mm. he plays all the time. So I, so I, I made sure to rub that in. Just quite a bit. conceptually, is it weird? Uh, obviously, it was a little out of out of the norm. Just even you playing, I get that. But is it a little bit weird with the fact that it's two rounds and then one round on Sunday? Just because we have grown to the you know the accustomed, no matter where you go, one round rarely a day. are you seeing two rounds in a day anymore it feels like almost anywhere i know many smaller events do it i just ran an event that had two rounds in the same day but just in general kind of has to feel a little foreign to you right just even even from a working perspective yeah just a just a touch foreign but it kind of all came back to me think knowing that this event has actually been this way for 20 years yeah we were talking back at the cabin how it might be nice for this type of event to do Three single day, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. Mm. But the problem with that is that East course is relatively short and easy. And I don't feel like you get a, it just wouldn't feel like you got a lot out of it that uh, the, sure. the day that you play the East course. So I don't mind the two a day. If they did go to single day rounds, uh, I flip a coin. I kind of like just 
personally the compressed two days because you're in and out. I don't have to take an extra day of work off. Friday's a great day to get up there and just practice. That was part of the problem, I think, why I was so sore. I told myself, you know, John, you're out of shape. Don't overdo it on Friday. And so I was like, all right, we just played the West course. And then someone showed up and they're like, well, let's go play the East course. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll sit this one out. I'll just walk along a little bit. And we get up to the first hole. And I'm like, well, I'll play this one. <laughs> and then I'll play the next one. I sat out one hole. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it was like the third to last hole. It was a, it was a, it was a turnover longer, uh, par three hole. And I was kind of like, I don't need to try to crank a disc over. Which is good because then I birdied it and during the tournament. You only need one one shot. I, I just needed they, one shot. They call shot. you one shot, Johnny, for a reason. For multiple reasons. Yes. One or two. Uh let's do something we we rarely do, which is Is there anything from last week that uh I I'll say is either new or has surfaced? And of course the big some of the biggest news that came out of last week, uh being the Jomez Pro with the acquisition by the Disc Golf Pro Tour, do you feel like, because we were in the very early stages of that, do you feel like there was anything else that was truly, I don't want to say revolutionary, uh, truly discovered or further talked about or discussed or that otherwise otherwise was newsworthy as the week rolled on? No. (laughs) It it, it truly felt like we covered everything uh, between us and some of the other podcasts I listened to. Nothing since then has really come out that would change anybody's mind or that is contrary or even new information about the acquisition and what's going to happen with the pro tour. Now, again, we haven't seen any actual production come out, but I honestly don't think that you're really going to see anything different from Jonesboro to OTB. You won't notice the difference. It's still going to say Jomez. It's going to be done by the same crew. It's not like the pro tour is going to swing in there and step in at most you might notice maybe some commercial differences, but that is even up for debate. I don't know. Because Jomez might already have uh, obligations, obligations lined up for sure. weeks to come or, or even for the entire year that we that I'm not privy to. So we might not notice any difference. Okay. Um, before I get to a, a great question that came out on the board, actually, I will get to it. Uh, Spock asks, is there a chance we could see some behind the scenes at Bevel when you're out there next, which will be this upcoming weekend? And yeah, I guess I'll quickly lay out this weekend. I myself uh, have just returned from South Carolina, which I'll get into in a moment. But Thursday, going to be heading out uh, Thursday afternoon where I'll go to, I was going to say go to Bevel. I'll go to Bend. They're synonymous, I guess. I'll go to Bend. And it'll be, dare I say, a pretty stereotypical weekend for me except for the one huge advantage that I do like, which is we're going to be, the event obviously is happening on West Coast time. So that means I will be getting up still earlier than I like to get up, but it won't be at an absurd hour as in like 4.30 or 4.45 or whatever time I had to get up for a few of the East Coast events. So with the event happening on the West Coast, with me being on the West Coast, uh, uh, things will feel a little bit more at a, at normal times. So I'll arrive Thursday night. I'll ultimately probably download, listen to the uh, press conference that takes place Thursday. I'll be able to actually take that in while I'm on a plane, which is great because I'll be able to play it in like double speed uh, so I can get all caught up on anything that's said during that. Friday morning, I'll get picked up. Probably I'll get picked up by Nate. Uh, I'll head over to the house. Uh, bring They'll bring me over to their house. 
It'll be Val and I in the morning. I think it's just Val and I for this event. I think maybe Zoe's on the ground for this one. Uh, so it'll be Val and I in the booth, and then in the afternoon, we'll have a short break, of course, and then in the afternoon, it'll be Nate and I. And I think Nate Sexton's – I don't think he's in the booth with us. I could probably look. Uh, I don't think he's uh, playing either. He might just have a weekend off. Uh, that might be the case. Uh, honestly, I don't recall off the top of my head, but – I don't think this one jumped out. Maybe maybe he is playing, but I don't think this one jumped out as one that he was particularly uh, trying to go out and play. And and it's not really, I feel like, a secret that Nate Sexton is becoming a little bit more choosy, or I don't want to say particular in a bad way, but he's becoming more particular about where he feels he has the best, most reasonable expectations to perform well and or to win or and win playing an event like Jonesboro, I think he was pretty blunt in saying like that he just has no interest in that event, knowing uh, what kind of shots that are going to be required in order to try and take that event down. And I I guess Kelvin Heimberg, it's fair to say him and Kelvin (laughs) Heimberg, uh, a little bit different uh, when it comes to throwing style. Slightly different. So so that's what's going to happen this weekend. And then usually almost every day after the broadcast gets done, we – as a as a set of us, the three of us usually sit around and talk at the house for a few minutes. Then we go find some place to eat. Oftentimes, most more often than not, it's not Bevel. Uh, we'll they'll go to some other. We'll go to some other establishment, and then uh, then we'll usually go back to the house. We'll talk some more there about disc golf and other stuff, and then finally I retire for the night uh, back to my hotel. And th- a little secret is last week, last time I went out there a week and a half ago, I actually told Nate and Val, I said, Hey, I'm going to try to do something I'm, I've really never done here, which is a little bit of a vlog of being here for the weekend. And I said, what will probably happen is I'm going to start recording it. We'll do a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'll continue to fade out throughout the weekend and then I'll never get around to really completing it. And then I definitely won't get around to editing anything. And they said, sounds great. And that's exactly what ended up happening. I filmed a whole bunch of stuff, had a lot of excitement. It just feels weird to be, and I know this sounds dumb coming from me maybe, but I don't I don't film like Simon does, for instance. He has a very, of course, uh, first-person perspective of his vlog and his vlog style, hence what most people consider vlogging. It just feels weird to like try and document everything that we're doing, not every single minute, but just trying to document all these different moments throughout a weekend without it seeming, I don't want to say fake. I don't know. It somehow I lose interest in it or I lose, I lose the gumption is maybe a better phrase for it to continue to do it throughout. So one of these days you will see a full, or maybe it'll be a mix up of a few different trips out there. You could, you could do a few different trips. Start, because you know, it's not, it's not like it's much different between correct. You know, one weekend's day one and one weekend's day two to three. They're all going to that's ex- that is, it's very together. true. So yeah, in fact, I could go out there for ten weekends, and if there was one vlog that could probably encapsulate all ten, just because the routines are relatively similar. So, uh, but we always do make at least one night where we do go into Bevel. You know, Nate and Val owning the place is cool, but at the same time, it's like anyone else that has a job. Sometimes you want to be away from your job, even if you love it, <laughs> even if you own it. Sometimes you want to be uh, away from it at some point. So we're getting note on the board from Robert Luster saying that Sexton's actually signed up to play the OTB. Okay, so he for some reason I, I did think there. he was because I knew he wasn't in the booth with us. 
what I'm showing on our little chart, which may or may not be accurate uh, at the moment, but it does show that Brian Earhart will be out on the course in the field as a field reporter, and that Zoe Andike will be out on the course as our field reporter from the FPO side. So I I was right on uh, most of that, and great. Sounds like we'll have Sexton. All right, I'm going to quickly get into our results from... There's a lot of results to talk about this week, and we've got a lot of events that we need to discuss. Yeah, let's start with... Maybe you know something I don't. Like, my... Sometimes it just... Buttons don't work. Hey, there we go. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Huck Central benefiting the Mary Sunshine House. Let's start quickly on the FPO side of things. Medium size turnout uh, on the FPO side of things. We see that Paige Shue ultimately takes it down. She has a two-stroke margin of victory over one Ellen Widboom Shakalaka. And then also a uh, very much local to the area is Sarah Cunningham. She finished in third. Go Clemson. Tigers. I was on, I was on the campus all weekend, pretty much, and well, it's just that it's a it's a college campus, and it just feels so weird to be kind of be in a college town. I don't know why, but um, pretty big deal there. Uh, Lauren Lee finished in fourth. Those are your four cashers out of eleven, or I'm sorry, out of eight FPO competitors. Again, Paige Shu victorious. And on the MPO side, if you somehow didn't watch the coverage, Michael Johansson, your champion. I'll say this. It was a three-stroke margin of victory, but with three holes to go, you would have never guessed that. It it really did honestly just get decided in the last three or four holes of the tournament. It was such a great battle uh, taking place with those guys. Alan Wagner, uh, 100% in the conversation. Aiden Scott, 100% in the conversation. Uh, in, I, I, even if you do, when you, now that you do know the outcome, it was seriously a great battle to go watch. So it is out there. It's all available, all three rounds ready to go. So Michael Joe is your champion over Alan Wagner. Interestingly enough, both of them MP 40 eligible. Mm -hmm. So your top two competitors are both MP 40, uh, eligible Aiden Scott, who just turned 18 a few weeks ago at the champions cup. Uh, and Evan Smith, who I want to say is 22-ish. Uh, and then Micah, Micah Groth is 20-ish, <laughs> somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, and and Joseph Anderson, Joey Buckets, who we've talked about, uh, who finished also in that tie for fifth. He is 19. So uh, you got lots of young talent is what I'm trying to say. But losing to the old talent, but losing to the older guys. Uh, uh, Clint Calvin also finishes in a tie for fifth. That was, I think my first time with Clint on my coverage. So that was great. And then someone else I've seen who's also in that, uh, that, uh, kind of age range, younger age range, uh, Dylan Seppala. He finished in eighth, ninth place was Ben Wolf and 10th was Matt Thompson and an 11th. With a special shout out, he finished eleventh. Normally, we don't go down to eleven, but eleventh is two ones, and he got oh, he for sure had one of them. That's right, Grady Shoe. Very first hole of the tournament, he was the third to tee off. So not quite the first shot that I saw, but he was the third to tee off in the first round feature card. Grady Shoe carding the ace. How many times did you watch it? I watched it twice. Was I supposed to watch it more? 
Uh, I mean, if you find another IP address, log in. Make sure you watch it. I could use the hit on my YouTube. Okay, because I've got ad blockers turned on. So <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> You're cheating me, you bastard. Uh, yes, great issue with an ace on the very first uh, hole of the tournament for him. Awesome to see. If uh, I'm, I'm sure some of the diehards that are out there that are maybe watching. Very first hole of round number two. Basket hit. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Am I going to card, you know, get back to back days uh, opening up the round with an ace? Uh, but no, just hitting off the basket. Um, but uh, still ended up getting the birdie. Um, and then in third round, I had a very legitimate basket hit as well. So we were out there hunting for aces this weekend. It was awesome. So congratulations to them. Uh, Okani. Okuni, sorry, Okuni, Okoni, Okoni, there it is. National Disc Golf Course is being developed, uh, and I think, check, mark the tape. Within a few years, you're going to see some high-level events taking place on this property. 75 acres, only 25 acres roughly have been touched and used so far. This weekend was a mix-up of baskets and of potential, you know, borrowings of layouts. And and we may never see the layout that was played this weekend. We may never see that again. It was relatively short at about 5,400 feet. So the the course you saw this weekend is not indicative of what you'll see long-term. They're going to have three separate courses on site, privately owned and run uh, at this property. And the property is gorgeous it's absolutely incredible and uh so mark my words within within five years we're going to see some high level events whether that's a stop on the pro tour or a silver you know event or or a pdga major of sorts uh for some divisions there's going to be some high level events taking place on that property so uh best of luck to uh brian and and the rest of his crew that are putting that together, it's going to be awesome to see. So they're off to a great start, and I wish them nothing but the best. All right, Johnny, let's roll through. Let's roll through some results across the country. We're first going to go to the Discmanias three hundred three Open. This one is out in Colorado. Winning this one is Aaron Gossage. Couple of three hometown. Uh, where's Robert from? Because uh, Aaron. Colorado Roots, Joel Freeman, Colorado, Joe Revere, Colorado, and Robert Nichols, also out of Colorado. I don't know Robert as well. So uh, congrats. Top four guys, Colorado. Joel Freeman, Joe Revere, Robert Nichols, Jake Mon, Evan Scott, Nick Hansen, Harry Chase, AJ Carey, then tied for 10th, Nate Metzler and Paul Kranz. Over on the FPO side, Natalie Ryan wins this event by one stroke over Emma Arp. Natalie shot a 55 her final round to come back from like six or seven down to win by one single stroke. And she had an ace, I believe, on one of those days as well, she posted. So congratulations to Natalie Ryan. Third place, Emily Yale. Tied for fourth, Deanne Carey and Amy Vrana. And then... 
the other cashing positions we have, Allison Latch turned down cash, Alyssa Pearson for 65, and Erica Weir for 65, tied for seventh. So those were your FPO champions. Do we want to talk about the, the, the event and some of the surrounding stuff, or should we save that for after we go through other results? Uh, I think the, the only note that I'll really make of it is that we saw posted to social media that, it, from, from what I gathered, is it appeared that there was a, a group of protesters, uh, a, a local chapter of protesters that had showed up. I don't know exactly when they showed up. I know they were there at some point on Sunday, and it seemed to be around the time of the uh, of the award ceremony uh, because I think I saw a tournament director, Kyle, uh, having a conversation with them, and I thought I was hearing people's names getting called off during the awards. Uh, a group of protesters, from what I could see, showed up, and were protesting. That's, I guess, what protesters do. Uh, were protesting, and then there was some heated exchanges that took place. Uh, Amy, who you had said, I know, was there having uh, words with some of the protesters. There was just a lot of yelling. I mean, for lack of a better term, there was a lot of yelling back and forth. And then when it was all said and done, uh, you could hear the protesters say, "Hey, I feel like we've we've said our piece." The police that were was called after the police had shown yeah, up I guess, and talked I, to them. I guess that's true. Yes, uh, uh, a female police officer and maybe others, but I, I know at least one police officer showed up. She had a brief conversation with the protesters. I, I'm guessing she talked to somebody from the event as well. And it was shortly after that where the protesters had said, uh, "I believe it's save save women's sports." Is a it's a I'm guessing they're a, a local organization, or I'm sorry a national organization that had a local chapter, so to speak. They, at that point said, Hey, I, you know, you can, and I'm, I'm only saying this because you can hear it set on their live stream that they were streaming this. And I think you hear one of the main organizers that was there said, you know, I think we're good. We've said our piece. And now essentially we're going to leave. That was shortly after they had the conversation with the uh, police officer. That's the extent of what I know. Um, and, and saw, and that was largely because there was a post where, you know, their live stream of how it went down, their live stream was then all put out there publicly and it was linked somewhere else. So, uh, that's how I consumed it. And that's for me, that's the extent of what I know. I I haven't talked to the event organizer. I hadn't talked to Natalie. I didn't talk to anyone from, uh, save women's sports. I haven't spoken to anyone else about it. I'm just basically regurgitating what I saw in the live stream. And and the only other thing I'll add to that is I was just thinking personally, and this is almost a side note, I was thinking personally, I was trying to think if we've ever seen a protest or a, a, a group of protesters ever at a an event before for any reason. Well, of course, this is obviously a transgender um you know, initiative and conversation. And that's why they were there. But I was thinking, you know, has there ever been a wildlife or a, or a parks department, you know, or, or yeah. And, and I talked to another very, uh, well-traveled respectable, uh, person who's played in nearly 500 PDGA events. And he too was like, I don't think I've ever seen protesters at an event for the sake of what was happening at the event. And I'm not saying it's never happened. Clearly I'm, I'm guessing maybe it, ha- maybe it hasn't. I don't know if, if somebody in the comments knows of an example, nothing more than I'll say in this case, a almost just a, a side note. I'd just be curious to know what it was and when, but I've never seen or heard of that before happening. 
And and quite frankly, depending on how everything continues to evolve uh, with the uh, transgender athlete conversation, this may or may not become commonplace. I I can't That's say one the way part or another that I was thinking about, and unfortunate for probably Natalie and other transgender athletes in our sport. That again, I personally, and I know the people that listen to this and the people on our board, a lot of different opinions and I'm, we don't need to get into, we've, we talked about our opinions, everyone's opinions. I just don't see the, I guess I don't see the point in showing up and trying to scream somebody down. It's just not in me to do that. Like, and I, 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 I can understand protesters. I don't, for the most part, I think it's a it's a valid free speech, but it just I feel like you're not winning people over like that. Very rarely has there been protesters, and suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I, like, uh, in just, any debate ever, in, in right? any debate ever. So no matter what I the subject hope, is, anywhere, yeah, that, I, that's I true. I hope we don't see this at other events, but I think you're right in that we might, we very well might, yeah, because Natalie's going to play in other eight years and possibly in a disc golf pro tour event coming up next weekend, depending on what happens tomorrow. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be buckle up. We might be in for an interesting few months. Yeah. So um, that's all that I can really state on said topic. Cause that's pretty much all that I consumed. And we're not, we're not going to say anything here that um, hasn't probably either already been said or beat to death on the subject uh, in terms of the overall conversation. So, uh, it, But as Johnny did quickly mention, yes, it sounds as if a, a significant day will be tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, on Wednesday the 10th is, and I do not, I will not claim to know all the legalese and exactly the details, but She's I know that there is file a restraining order against the DGPT, PDGA, and thousand rated discs in order to be able to play in the OTB Open. That is okay. what's going to be hope, hopefully decided tomorrow, whether it is or not. And it sounds like there was a rush or an injunction of some sort. That is is why, because mm-hmm. obviously the event is the event that's in question specifically is for this upcoming weekend in mm-hmm. two days, and therefore there's almost this for lack of a better term, I'll say a rush to have yeah. a, a decision and or something decided upon because of the nature of the event happening in a couple of days, as opposed to if it were happening in six months, there might be a different timeline to it. Um, and so, yeah, tomorrow is essentially going to, I think, be a, a a big day, no matter how you cut it uh, in favor of any given side or situation. Tomorrow is going to probably be a, a relatively substantial day is how I'll word that um, for any and all parties involved. All right. Uh, uh, well, I mean, we're talking about it. We'll continue to talk about it. Otherwise, I was going to go into more results. But real quick, we'll talk about the fact that as part of the injunction, as part of the uh, restraining order that Natalie's trying to get filed, there was some paperwork that was released from the DGPT. And not only was there paperwork regarding the case and maybe how they're kind of going to approach it, but there was some paperwork signed by a an organization with a very long acronym that I'm not going to get into. It's, it was more or less a women's sports, and it was signed by 33 of our FPO players. 
I don't want to say touring FPL players because I don't think all of them are necessarily touring players, but they, but I would say a good 20 to 25 of them probably hit most of the pro tour events. And if you're, if you're interested in reading that, you can find it in a lot of different places. It's out on Reddit. Uh, I first saw it last night on Nova's Facebook page. And I think it's been posted to uh, Dixon Jowers on the box page. But go out, take a look at it. There are now, for better or worse, I'm not going to say either way, depending on how you look at it, there is a list of names of FPO players who are officially on officially on the record, the court record, as opposing the transgender athlete issue. So, it, you know, there's... Uh, I, I think there's a lot that's going to... As I said, buckle up. I think we're in for uh, an interesting ride over the next few weeks and months. Yeah, I think I'll just my final point on it will be that tomorrow I think will definitely set a specific tone, and it and it may only be applicable to one event slash one state. Correct uh, for now, you know, which is where it was filed. And I am not a lawyer. Johnny's not a lawyer, so there is no point in us speculating anything beyond that because it just quite frankly doesn't matter what uh what our take is on it at that point uh, i i guess all we can do is 24 hours from now there will be a lot more clarity as to how things are going to proceed and that's um uh, none of which is in our hands no i'm I, I i don't know i mean again i've i've said before how i personally feel on the podcast i i would love i would love to see natalie play but that's you know, just one person's perspective. I know a lot of people have other perspectives on this, and uh, we've we've discussed this. We've had Natalie on the show. Depending on how things go on Wednesday and what happens on at OTB, because I could see, you know, we just saw a protest at a small A tier, a three um, small in relative terms, to the Pro Tour event. If Natalie gets to play, I could see a much larger protest. And so I'm I'm curious from a logistics point of view, from a logistics perspective. And Sean Jack, who is is he officially the TD on record, or is I he... think him and uh, the and the other Sean Sean Mercy are and both Sean, on. Okay, both I'm, Sean's. I'm assuming those are the two. You have to think that they're watching this for multiple reasons, but then they have to take that into account based on what we just saw. So does that mean hiring security? Does that mean hiring like what? resources now or is this a pro tour issue have to go into this event additional resources in order to maintain uh, any sort of safety because i know this is on i believe this is on private property correct as opposed to 303 which was public property with an event i believe the otb is private property so they may not be able to get on the actual property but that as we know that doesn't necessarily stop someone from standing across the street or buying tickets to get in and then doing, and then causing uh, a ruckus, so sure. to speak. So I just hope that, and I'm sure the pro tour is ahead of the game, thinking about what needs to be done just to keep everybody safe, to keep the event moving and flowing because the last thing we need is like a half hour, 45 minute stoppage for some reason. That's, that that's, that's not a, uh, it's yeah, not I mean, an ideal situation. No, I mean, and, and it's interesting to think that just about anything, um, a number of things could uh, 
create a a I don't want to say create a larger scene. That's not what I'm trying to say. The, just create an overall impact, like you just said. Yeah, Swenson Park is essentially a golf club, golf course. So I I know they're going to have there's fencing and it's not a public facility and it will be a ticketed venue. Whereas the 303 was just happening at a public course yeah. where they weren't having a ticketed venue and any kind of enclosure. And then you think about some of the additional uh, properties that then get played. You look at a, a Beaver State fling in a few weeks, excuse me, at Estacada State Park. Uh, you look at a Portland Open, which is at uh, Glendevere, I think it's called Golf Club, which then will have a certain pro, uh uh, a private nature to it. So every one of these venues, and I think of them an MVP open, which is obviously owned by the Dodge family or owned by, um, you know, owned by the Christmas tree family uh, in order to be able to have an event there. So every venue, every one of these scenarios could play out slightly differently. Uh, I, I think it is, it's a very legitimate conversation and thought process that the pro tour and the PDGA and the event venue all will have to take into consideration, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever their either precautions and or, uh, measures are, those are all going to have to be at least considered moving forward. Um, and what your rights are, I, th- I think of, you know, if this would have happened, we'll just say if we re- rewind briefly to a, a memorial where you were out at Vista del Camino and we were out at, uh, Fountain Hills, that's just a very different environment than what these players will go see and what they'll go play when they're at Glendevere uh, on the Pro Tour. I mean, these are, no matter where you stand on it, these are all things that, like you said, have to be at least now considered and thought about moving forward. So, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's move on and talk about another event. We're going to talk about the Aspen Sports Tree Bash Open, presented by Dynamic Discs. This is the 25th anniversary. This is out in Flagstaff. So some of the players that are on their way out to the West Coast kind of maybe swung through there. Not too many, but a few of them. Winning this one was Gavin Rathbun, and he won it handily. Eight strokes over Mike Lassay. Third place, Connor Rock. Fourth place, Reed Fiscura, which is not a name we've talked about a lot this year. Mr. I skip it off the water at Ledgestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth place, Andrew Fish. Sixth place, Reed Kemp. And then a three-way tie for seventh, Nick Newton, Caleb Kaplan, and Cody Wood. Congratulations to them. Moving down to the FPO home state, Jen Allen. She wins this one over second place by 11 strokes. Leah Sinagini. Did I nail that one? You nailed it. All right. There you go, Leah. That one's for you. Uh, in third place, Chelsea Howells and tie for fourth place, Charlotte Christensen and Yomira Valenzuela. I think you got it. I think I got it. You nailed it. Nice. Yep. That is your 25th anniversary Aspen Sports Tree Bash. We're going to go over now a little bit even further west and go to the Santa Cruz Masters Cup. 
If you haven't watched this one on Central Coast, by all means, go out and do it. Uh, my understanding is one of the best final rounds that we've seen in a long time. Damn it. I called a battle on my coverage, though. Can there also be a battle on that? No, coverage? there can't be. So watch Terry's Damn coverage. It. Ignore Central no, Coast. No, Sorry, no, no. Go watch that one. <laughs> uh, winning this one in a playoff. Playoff. Greg Barsby over Alden Harris. Both at 12 under par, which... I love that score. Mm-hmm. I love the scores out here at this course because it is a, a difficult course. Uh, De La Which apparently has had some changes. And so at some point, maybe I will get around to watching the coverage. Just to Be- see the changes? Yeah, just to see the changes. Um, I the, the few snippets that I could read uh, as I was doing my editing and worrying about the event I was putting out is I, w- I was seeing people having, of course, online arguments about the good or the bad to particular holes and changes. And just the fact that people were talking about it, I was like, what? There's changes? And Every, it, everything changes. The, the, one thing, the one thing that I did read is somebody saying how there was almost zero birdies on holes one and two, which sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, so it shows you how little I was able to consume because I didn't even have the time to go watch holes one and two. But I did hear somebody uh, hollering about that, that holes one and two were um, almost – not birdied at all, which tells you something about Something's their difficulty. Something's changed. Yeah. Uh, tied for third, Cole Ridalin and Andrew Miranda. In fifth place, James Proctor. Sixth place, Matt Bell. And a very large tie for seventh with Chandler Kramer, Austin Hannum, Noah Mainzma, and Gannon Burr. Moving down to the FPO. Homestake girl. Own Scoggins wins this one over Katrina Allen by three strokes. Own she shot a 990, a 973, and a 982. That ain't a bad day's work. She's rated 975. I think she, I think she just went up. This was, was just nine, say, 975 click, as of this. Click on her. What did she go to? Uh, I think she went to 977. Okay, I was going to say 979. Two point. Two so point increase. Up two more points. Katrina Allen is at uh, second place, again, by three strokes. In third place, coming back to the tour, Sayananda. So we're going to see Sayananda jump back on tour and hit this whole West Coast swing. And in fourth place, Amy Lewis. So congratulations to the women at the Santa Cruz Masters Cup. Uh, Greg Barsby, this, I mean, we all know the story of Greg Barsby and the roller ace, and I can't imagine how many times that was talked about this weekend. It just feels like the right event for him to win, doesn't it? Just there's something yeah, about this event. That well, it's Nor- like- NorCal. You know, he be- he being from Grass Valley, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Santa Cruz not being all too far away. Uh, Greg is just synonymous with being just an all around, of course, California NorCal guy. And you think about, I think largely too, a lot of people that have known Greg for a long time just think old school. And then you think of Santa Cruz and the course is a little bit more old school. You have a lot more scrambling to do the style of the course. It's not, it's not exclusively built on distance. Uh, Of course it's, it's for the most part, it's relatively wooded, all the Hills, the terrain, the, the knowledge that it takes to play well there. And then to catch a break or two on top of it, you can't win without catching at least. I, I didn't watch any of the holes, I'm guessing he caught a good break or two, and that's not a slight to him. Probably every you round. Just, you just have to um, because there's been plenty of times that tournaments lost because somebody caught a bad break uh, the, the, you know, that another guy didn't catch, but some, some guy did. And you know, a tournament kind of felt like it was lost on that bad break. So 
all of those things kind of culminate and then it just becomes this obvious, you know, it feels like Greg Barsby winning that event is just really, uh, to some, I'm sure it feels quite right, especially Greg, but it just, uh, it, it makes sense. Um, and then I, I, I go back what a year now, was it a year or two? Just last year was when Gannon Burr won it. So for starters, happy birthday, Gannon Burr. He turned 18 over the weekend uh, at the event uh, while trying to defend this title. But you think about when someone like a Gannon wins it last year, you think you think of his long throws and his putting, and you don't necessarily think about the, the accuracy. And so the fact that he won it there uh, is just a testament to all the different skills maybe that are required and that anything can happen on any given weekend. And here he finishes in the top 10, seeing Alden finish there, really no surprise uh, as well. It's it's just one of those courses that anything, and I, I remember it was about four or five years ago on this podcast, I said, the course is crazy because you can shoot uh, an 11 under one round and then you could go shoot over par the next round. And I think that like four days later, Ricky Wysocki did that same thing. He mm-hmm. shot like a 10 under and then a one over or whatever. He had a 10 or 12 stroke swing. And that's just how things can. And you don't feel like you played that different. Just like you were saying about playing this weekend. You sometimes feel like, no, I played pretty much the same, but at De La, playing pretty much the same, you could get two very different results when you're out there. And so a lot of people, of course, especially if you're old school barking that, you know, this is a course that we need on tour. This shouldn't, you know, be be left behind. And and I I don't disagree necessarily with that sentiment. Um, the 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 biggest challenge as we experienced is there's not good cell signal there. Yeah, and that's... and this has been talked about dating back to 2011. People, 2011 when Worlds was out there. And then a few years later, when Smashbox tried to do live coverage out there, and when others have tried to do live coverage out there, it's just not a course with where it's placed. And and even though it's kind of on a hill, it's on the wrong side of where a Verizon Tower is. And Verizon's been contacted. We have inns at Verizon last there, year, they and had, we still couldn't make it work. They had Verizon reps come out with uh, boosters. They had Verizon reps come out with, and then the live view, they, they ordered some these large antennas. Like imagine putting your arms together in like a circle. Like you were going to try to hug Terry. And that's how big these boosters are. Some big old boosters, some big old boosters uh, that connect up to the live view. And they still could not pull in enough cell signal and spots in the course that they, tr- that they would attempt to do master's cup. It's just one of those things. And now I know the pro tour is working on some new solutions for, for coverage, some uh, uh, private cell towers, kind of. Basically, it's a little. It's a. It's a. It's a cell. Mm, I, I don't want to call it a cell tower because that's not what it is. But it's a transmitter. It's a cellular transmitter that hooks up to some sort of internet connection. And I know that there were uh, CBRS. I want to say I forget the actual initials, but you connect it up. You create your own cell area. I don't know how it's going to work. I haven't been involved in those conversations. I know it's something that I talked to uh, Sam, who does a lot of this stuff a couple of years ago when Amazon kind of announced they were releasing their version. And I said, hey, this is something that could really help us in the future. And I know he's run with it from there. So this is something I, I don't know when it's going to get rolled out, when they're going to start doing beta tests on it. All I know is that they are looking into this. We'll get it. We'll get more figured out. Maybe maybe in a couple months, maybe in a year. 
I have no idea. But just know that people are working on it. People are working on it, and it's not as easy as you think. It's not as easy as you think. <laughs> we're, we're not paid to tow any company lines here, but if if you just think a, a magic wand gets waved or you just press a button and all of a sudden we have uh, great cellular coverage at any given course, that's not the case. And no. if you just thought of your solution today, it probably also isn't sound enough. <laughs> uh, so I'll, we'll, we'll just repeat that uh, yet again because this is, this is gonna. This has been a challenge for a decade, and and quite honestly, it might be a challenge for a few more years for sure. I mean, just that's that's where we're at. Uh, and the, then the last event I want to talk about before we move on to one. Well, other. before I do that, before you get to the event, I want to quickly just say, of course, you know, the world lost uh, just the incredible human that is John Baldwin. Yeah. Um, you know that that news rung out uh, so loudly. As it was Masters Cup weekend, mm-hmm. an area and the space and the people and the time and just, you know, John, I, I can't say it enough. And I, I know I said it on Facebook. I'll say it again. I can't dare come up with the words. I met John once or twice at some world's events. <laughs> I just barely got a chance to say hi to him, but he was he was beloved. He seemed like the nicest, most kind gentleman in the world. And I know he's come to Wisconsin once or twice to play some events. I think he played yeah. Manitowoc or something along those lines. Yeah, he's played in a few events here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had known him before that. And and really all I can say is I, I could never come up with more words than what you've seen. When you see hundreds, if not thousands of people post and say he was a kind, gracious, heartwarming, uh, just incredible soul, like it, it, he just embodies so many of those things. <laughs> and it might be easy... Sometimes to say nice things about people, but with John, like there's there there there's no BSing that. There's no other way to word it. Like and and the fact that if you polled a thousand people, all one thousand literally have the same words to say about him, just speaks to his entire life and his truth and his character and everything um, that John stood for and was about. And and I was fortunate to know him. I've had many conversations with him. I was not nearly as close to him as, as a number of our other disc golf community members are, but um, I got to talk to him more than once. That's for sure. And uh, it, it was, it was just such a pleasure. So our entire disc golf family, I, I don't want to just say like the, the inn of a family or the DGA family or the, you know, California family of disc golfers, lot like all of disc golf. He was golf. so well traveled, and yeah. and just everybody knew him. It was really, it's really something, especially if you're on Facebook and you're friends with a lot of golfers, which a lot of people are. Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, yeah. and every other post or every post practically is a dedication. Yeah, and that just goes to show how beloved he was that there, there, there has almost probably never been a bad word said about that gentleman. And this weekend just, just showed the impact that he particularly had on so many people. So obviously, you know, a big loss for the disc golf community. Yeah. So, uh, I, we feel it. We certainly do. And, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's all I can say. And I know somebody had mentioned, uh, you know, maybe Masters Cup, uh, it, you know, becomes in in memory or, you know, the John Baldwin Masters Cup. I know that was floated around mm-hmm. uh, with his with his roots there and whatnot. Uh, it would not be 
It wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, it wouldn't be shocking. And uh, so uh, I know there's also, you know, as Johnny just mentioned, around Facebook, there's also been a couple different initiatives. Um, But uh, if you see one out there uh, supporting mental health, mental health awareness, this happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, You know, certainly if you feel obliged and uh, uh, go out and support that in whatever way you can. And then just more importantly, Love and be kind to one another. You don't know what other people are dealing with. Certainly. Let's talk about the Copenhagen Open. This is what that I, I did watch Good. a little bit of. Yes, yeah. you got the you got the thing I sent you. Did you? Uh, no, it was just oh. on. It was oh. already on YouTube. Oh. I didn't need a. I didn't need no stinking code well, for I, I the, gave what you, I did watch. But I gave you a code thanks to a Disc Golf Stream. Um, it was funny. Just right now. I didn't know. I kind of wanted to talk about this and then step with into the John Baldwin thing, but it doesn't really matter either way. So the Copenhagen Open 2023 presented by Prodigy Disc. This is the first stop on the European Pro Tour. I got a chance to watch just a real little bit of it when the event was happening because obviously I was playing, so I didn't get a chance to do too much. But then I went back and watched because I heard that it was such a that it, that it had such an exciting finish mm. and. Sure enough, I loaded up Disc Golf Stream where you can watch all of this. That's discgolfstream.com. And who happened to be a sponsor of Skip Base last week, so I gave away a subscription to our winner. I am a shill. I'm a shill for good products. And it was it looked like a fun course with really good players. It came down to I'm gonna I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna destroy some of these names. Uh Mari Vielman who came back from, I want to say, four strokes down in the final round to push it to a two-hole playoff with Samuel Hanenen. That might be Heinenen because it's spelled different than UC Hanenen. Yona. Or Yona, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Yona Heinenen, Hanenen. Either way, it's spelled very similar. Uh, Again, apologize because I'm going to demolish these names. Uh, And it went to a two-hole playoff, and it was really exciting. Uh, someone hit a very big putt to win. Damn it, don't tell me. I'm going to go I, watch that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mari hit like a 40-footer to win, and and Samuel missed his 40-footer. because they. It's funny. They walked up to a 300-foot hole, and both of them, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but neither got within inside the circle, <laughs> and uh, and they both had a long putt to win. But And, and Mori had a, a really good putt on the, like I, I think it was the first playoff hole or the final hole to get into a playoff. It was just a lot of fun, and the live coverage looked phenomenal like it i i turned it on i was like holy crap this looks really good so i'll say if you're if you like live disc golf and you can't get enough of the pro tour you want to watch more of it by all means go to disc golf stream and subscribe because if it looks this good all season you're in for a treat and so that is the copenhagen the very first stop at the ept uh talking about fpo the top two finishers, both Estonian. These Estonians, Terry, are starting to take over. Um, Katie Alsalu wins this one over Anelli. I'm not going to bother, Terry. I'm, I, that, it would just be, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. <laughs> um, and in third place, Heidi uh, Heidi Laine. Thank you. Uh, it, I didn't get a chance to watch the FPO coverage, but. Uh, what I can say is uh, it's exciting. 
all, all this all this disc golf now that we just get to watch live. And the cool thing about this is it's on a different time. So the women, I think, are teeing off at like our time here in the Midwest about 2 a.m. So if you happen to be a night owl like Terry, you can watch some night disc golf. And then the men tend to tee off early morning. I think it's like 7 or 8 a.m. Mm. Uh, and you just get disc golf all day long. So by, by all means, again, if, if you love live disc golf, disc golf stream, they have an English and I believe a Finnish commentary, depending on they did last year, depending on what they're doing uh, this year, could be a little different. From, from what I saw, um, and then uh, also tying for third was uh, Yeni Karpinen, oh, uh, uh, tied up with uh, Heide Laine. Uh, I was uploading. I was doing something at three or so in the morning, three or four in the morning. Uh, what must have been Saturday night for me, so Sunday morning for them. And that's when I got to, I don't remember, maybe it was around hole 12 or so on the FPO side, and Katie uh, had a, a massive lead. It was 6, 8, or I'm sorry, 8 to 10 to 12, somewhere in that neighborhood. May have been even 14 at one point, I don't recall. Wow. It was It was a ginormous lead, and so obviously the conversation was, who was going to challenge for the other podium spots more so <laughs> than who was going to come and actually catch her. And so I had it on while well, I was doing some final edits and other things on my end. So I only consumed uh, the FPO side, and it was probably six or eight holes or so when it was all said and done. Uh, I, I believe they had one or two holes left to play, and I, I wasn't in any suspense at that point of who was going to win, and it was like <laughs> six or seven in the morning, whatever time it was where I was. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm good here. But it was it was so interesting to watch just that live disc golf that's not put on by anyone that I mean, I know a few of the people that are involved, as does mm-hmm. Johnny. We know a few people, but large in part, we're not any part of that broadcast. So to see it happening uh, was just a little bit of a unique experience that this is live disc golf, and it had nothing to do with the you know the disc golf network or Smashbox. And so that's a pretty small, I guess, Venn diagram, you would say, uh, throughout the last decade or so of disc golf that's been available uh, in a live capacity. So... Uh, yeah, best of luck to them, of course. Uh, what I was going to say is they they had two people that uh, were speaking English at the time. Now, they may or may not have also had, and, the, and I was watching it on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. so a link was made available, so I clicked on it. That's how I got there. Uh, I So I don't know what was on Disc Golf Stream. Maybe that's where they had uh, other commentators, uh, possibly, or maybe this was exclusively an, an English-only broadcast for this one. But um, to know that there's you know, at least some concerted effort to have, uh, you know, other languages uh, broadcast as well is pretty awesome. So I, I wish nothing but the best for them and the entire crew. Pretty, yeah, uh, they're, they're, pretty they're cool. putting together some really good stuff. And I noticed, again, I watched last year quite a bit of it and then watching this year. I know they've upgraded some of their cell equipment, so they're kind of close to on par with what the Disc Golf Pro Tour is using. Mm. Um, the courses tend to be in areas Europe is covered with cell cellular coverage a little I think a little bit better than a lot of our rural areas here in the US. Oh, sure. So the cell signal at places can be good. They had a really good turnout as far as fans from what I saw in the MPO. Which is no surprise Not, if you've seen any European yeah, disc. No golf. shocking at all. And it just the the cell signal looked really good. I, I'm really excited to see what they can do. Last year it, it really felt like they were it felt very much Smashbox year two. And this year feels more like almost like disc golf pro tour year one. Like 
it's just there is you could see the jumping quality that they're putting in and the the effort that they're putting into this so again if you're interested in live disc golf at all by all means go check it out because they're doing phenomenal stuff um yeah so we'll, we'll be excited to see how that unfolds uh yeah you've captured all of that is that all of the a tiers that we've seen on the on the pro side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of the pro ones? Uh, the Capital City Open in British Columbia was that? Did they have pros at it? If uh, so, we'll click on it. The what? very bottom oh. green one. Oh, maybe I did miss that one. Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, it did. Because oh, that, that's what I thought. I knew we were missing one we're winner. Missing, we're missing one. Yeah, but it's just a bunch of Canadians. Ah, hey, eh. <laughs> uh, the, the 2023 Dynamic Disc Tournament Capital Open. Over on the MPO winning that is the Canadian man himself, Thomas Gilbert. He shot 27 under par. To second place, Mr. British Columbia, Canada, Max. I can't ever get his name. Regetnig. We'll go. Max R. Congratulations. Uh, Third place, Casey Hainmeyer. Fourth place, a tie, Justin Zimmer, Jade Smith, and Alex Alexander. So congratulations to all three of them. All, well, all of them. Uh, over on FPO, Julie Moens wins this one over Gabrielle Lee. Third place, Sophie Denek. Fourth place, Laura Mason. And fifth place, Joe Henderson. Nice. Joe Henderson showing up there. I didn't realize, uh, was she just up there visiting? Is that where she's oh, from? She- she's from Canada. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't realize that. Joe is the co-host of Paige's podcast. With Paige. I don't want to say called Pages, but with Paige. Approachable. Yeah, approachable. So approach would it be funny if it was approach Jobel? Like Joe. Mm, that's right. something you would do. So no. <laughs> I'm gonna go with no Terry. I'm Probably just a big not. fat no on Probably that. Probably not. Uh speaking of co-host, uh this weekend, as we've I think have concluded. I'm gonna all be a co-host? Nope. Not not with me. <laughs> Somewhere. Oh. I don't know if anyone else wants to put a mic in front of you. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with one. Joseph Anderson, Joey Anderson, a.k.a. Joey Buckets. Uh, He's gotten a lot of talk on this show over the last few weeks. He has. He has. And I will say, in all seriousness, though, it's, it's, first of all, it's just great that someone, especially when I think I asked him that very day. Yeah, I think it was on on the opening day of the event. I said, hey, do you want to, you interested in doing commentary? He's like, sure. Okay. So he he was able to come over. We were uh, able to knock out the commentary. The first day we started a little earlier. So I think he uh, stopped by around 9, yeah, 9 p.m. And we did the commentary on the first round. And then on rounds two and three, I, th- I think we started at 11 and then uh, back at 10. Either way, he made himself available to come uh, out of his way to join me at the hotel to then knock out the commentary. So I want to thank him for doing that. And I'm not going to lie. It's pretty exciting to continue to meet and learn these personalities of these players. These players, you know, we, of course, I spoke so highly a few weeks ago, having Silas Schultz, who was willing to help me out. He was very well received. Uh, you know, and then I had Nate Perkins, who's more of a of a, a, a standard uh, or a given in that who we've had. A known and who commodity. Does, yeah, exactly. Who does a great job. But then having, again, this weekend, a new person. And I don't want to say I'm going to, like, completely make that a an objective but if i did i don't think it'd be the worst thing is bringing in these new personalities these people that joey has never done disc golf commentary ever ever before dude how hard can it be that's what everyone (laughs) says right right and he he was great um 
some of these things that you or I, and now many others that have had years of doing it, you may take a little bit for granted, but to have somebody to sit down and be willing and able to commentate and I, there was no stoppage. I didn't have to be like, Hey, hey, hey you F that up. We got, you know, we got to stop and rewind. You pretty much just roll with almost anything. Unless I mess it up in the first 30 seconds, it just stays in. If I mess it up in the first 30 seconds, I've named the tournament wrong or I'm calling out the wrong round. All of that is possible. If that doesn't happen in the first 30 seconds, then the tape just keeps rolling and it's one straight shot all the way through. So for those of you that think we like sit and edit, maybe other people do. I'll just I'll own any mistakes and I make plenty. I'll just own them during a commentary commentated round and I I just have to say thank you. Not not only was he good, but he was also willing all three nights, you know, just to have that consistency and to be there for me to have another voice. Otherwise it would have been me alone cracking a whole bunch of terrible dad jokes and and puns, which I'm not opposed to doing. Some people like that. Some people do, but I will always take a co-host prior uh instead of just doing it alone now if joey yeah i'll just leave it at that it was great to have him so i wanted to get that out there uh also i wanted to say as some of you guys have noticed uh a gentleman reached out to me about making some music i may have touched on this briefly last week but he reached out to me uh he then has put together uh basically an instrumental of, of a beat that gets played during my drone shots and then he also created an entire rap intro to my Video. Can I wrap it? Uh, you, you couldn't. Yeah, you could. All right. <laughs> Not right now. My throat's a little. Uh, uh, yeah. But, but he, we'll, he we'll created an intro. So thank you so much, uh, Brandon. Uh, I appreciate it. And I've now, I, I said this before, I have to now slightly re- rework the intro because otherwise it's going to get talked over. And I was just kind of still uh, seeing how much we liked it. And it seems to be well-received. So uh, I want to say thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to up that little post-production game we got going on. Let's hope so. I got producers and shit. <laughs> okay. <Wow>. Maybe not. <laughs> That's like the third time you've sworn on our regular show today, Terry. Uh, I'm getting I'm, you I'm rowdy. Getting, you were getting feisty on this show. No, I'm really not. I'm going to have to go back and edit this and bleep them out. <laughs> That's a good call. Good call. Do I that. Won't. All right, the only other thing we need to talk about, really, as far as disc golf news, is the Gannon Burr situation. Gannon went on social media and announced that the lawsuit between him and Prodigy has been dropped. Is this because he turned 18? It might be. I don't know. Um, I don't think that's legally the right way to do it. But And on top of that, as other people have been mentioning, the new CEO of Prodigy was actually on his bag this past weekend. So... Um, doing caddy work. So hmm. I don't know if that's if that's trying to... Part of the new contract? It might part be. Part of the new clause? That's part of the new clause. <laughs> you <laughs> will carry my bag. Okay, um, I did not... I had not heard that. So. Yeah, that, that's what... I've heard that in a couple places, and then we did just see it on the board as well. You mean Matt's been replaced? Hey, guys, Matt here? He's been replaced? Schleybach? He probably just couldn't make it to this event. I don't know. It I mean, doesn't sound like real dedication to the me. the CEO was carrying Matt, who was carrying <laughs> the bag. I don't know. Okay. I didn't get a chance to see the coverage yet. But, but yeah, so ultimately something has been settled outside of court. The lawsuit has been dropped. Gannon says he's going to finish out his contract with Prodigy, which I think we talked about a few weeks ago that that was going to be the, more than likely the ultimate solution for this season. And we'll see what happens now uh, next season. 
because at the end of this season, his contract is out. Whether, you know, bridges will be amended, whether they were already burned, as I kind of tend to say, money heals all wounds. You know, mm. if if Prodigy comes back with the best contract, I have a feeling that those two will uh, kiss and make up if there was any bla- bad blood, which I don't know if there is or not, or if it's just if it was strictly business related. I don't know. Yep. Show me the money. I believe is the uh, saying. Yeah, I'd like that. It's going to be interesting for Prodigy because with Isaac now winning a major mm-hmm. and Gannon doing good, doing very well, good though, those two are both raising their stock. Yeah, on a year, on a contract year. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be another fun off season. But you know what? We're only in May. I don't need to talk off-season crap yet. Uh, no, but I do have to. I want no, to rewind a couple days ago because I don't know how or where I missed this, and I'm sure one of our dedicated fans, maybe one that knows too much and or is creepy. I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, can somebody – what did I miss about – I'm thinking of Prodigy. What did I miss about uh, Caroline Henderson uh, with uh, DNFing at Champions Cup? Or Jonesboro. Jonesboro, thank you. Wow. Okay, that shows you how much I've. Uh, she, did, I don't. She did not. She did not qualify, I believe, for Champions Cup and did not play. Correct. Correct. And yeah. then went to Jonesboro. That's what I meant. Jonesboro. Uh, I just. I didn't. I saw it, and then that I didn't know anything else about it. Maybe it was talked about somewhere. So I, I apologize. I just. I'm. I'm. My. My assumption is going to be some form of injury. I'm thinking, but I don't know if anyone knows. And I know this sounds like old news because it kind of frankly is. But it, as we were just talking about Prodigy players, knowing that she just got signed to Prodigy, all of a sudden I, that resurfaced in my head again as I remember seeing that as a DNF. And I didn't have an ex- – I never I never saw anything on social media. So maybe somebody knows. So maybe she has some sort of injury because, as someone else said, she is not playing OTB. I don't know if she was ever registered to play OTB uh, or – She might have been. Uh, I, I, I'm Obviously, I'm not a uh, – <laughs> I'm not watching the registration yeah, list for people coming up and you're down. You're a devout weirdo. I'm you not, follow I'm along. I'm just creeping. Just creeping on the registration list. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> so, something you do. So, I mean, as we know, going to California, not cheap. Yeah. So, I, I, people that skip OTB or Stockton and go right up to the Pacific Northwest. Which is also that. not cheap. Not cheap at all. <laughs> but you could go, if you're going to pick or choose, if you're thinking like, eh, maybe my budget doesn't allow one or the other. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Pacific Northwest all day long. Sure. So yeah, that, and that's just me. We'll see. Was that Jessica? We speaking of uh, oh. uh, of not cheap things. Uh, ben said she was registered for everything because he had her in Skip Ace, which is the premier fantasy disc golf website. Yes, and he had a swap registered route. trademark. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, th- that's what I thought. That's why. Yeah, I thought I. So maybe an injury would come to mind, or maybe she's. Uh, maybe they're redoing something that had to do with their their travel or the RV or something. I know that was getting worked on, so maybe there was something that uh, became uh, an update to that. But that wouldn't explain a DNF either. She's like, your RV is done. Oh, I got to go. She, so I don't think that was the case. So hopefully whatever's going on, maybe I'll just reach out to her personally. Whatever's going on, I hope everything is well. But I do remember seeing a DNF and then... After it slipped my mind, I thought, I don't know if I know a story here. So, uh, yeah, we wish nothing but the best. Uh, I think it was Jessica Weiss who posted. Maybe, I apologize, it might have been someone else who said something about uh, gas being exactly double the price. They were on the East Coast, and then they just pulled into California. No, it must not have been Jessica because it was someone who just recently got there and uh, but said 
something about they had a screenshot of or a picture of, you know, the six dollar and fifty cent gas. Which, to be fair, I was just there two weeks ago, and I was I was in the NorCal area, um, Sacramento, Stockton area, and gas was like five five and a quarter. So maybe maybe it shot up more. Or maybe with where they entered, it's that much more. I don't know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and I'm not saying that's still not expensive because it is, especially when I see today that it was, you know, 313 here in Wisconsin to fill up. That's but, not, that was, it's gone down here in Wisconsin. So um, so I understand that even, you know, when you're pushing that five and six dollar range, it's definitely more. But yeah, it, the, the, the West Coast in general. Expensive to tour through no matter how you're doing it. Correct. And for everyone wondering. I believe I have heard that Valerie Mondahano plans to rejoin the tour at DDO, mm. is my understanding. Wow. Okay. So she's she is as well, and I it, it might be health related. It might be it might be price related. You know, if you're going to come back, do you really want to come back to the West Coast if you don't have sure. to swing? Which, as we said, is really expensive. Even though last year she had a really good West Coast swing, it really, you know, I know she won Waco. But then she followed that up with like a West Coast, a, a very solid West Coast. Yeah, swing. It really she put her destroyed, on the yeah, up at Beaver State and Portland back mm-hmm. to back, right? Back to back weekends. Correct. So my understanding is she'll be back on tour for the uh, DDO is what her she's shooting for. So we can, okay. which is mid to middle of June, mid yep. to late June. So you can kind of just expect her out for the next month or so. And we'll follow up more then. Hopefully I'd like to get her on the show and talk to her, see how she's doing. Yeah. At some point. All right. Is there any other news that uh, is, well, just that newsworthy that has happened in the last week here in the world of disc golf? That's not just gossip or chatter or BS. Is there any other major news? No, I haven't really seen anything. I I looked on the PDGA site. Nothing new there. No no big announcements. A bunch of discs, as always, being released and approved. And that's it. Uh, As always, PDGA looking for you know, uh, different job openings. Oh, okay. And there, there, there's a interview with Doug Bjorkis out there. Oh, I like yep. it. And the player ratings were published today. Oh, heck yeah. I know, Terry. You get so excited about them. I do. I thought uh, there was an update. Somebody had just mentioned it, so it made me want to think about that. I Did we see a... Some form of update out of Paige Pierce about her return. She's coming to the OTB. She's, I believe, she said she's resting okay. her arm um, because it's like a rotator cuff thing. So, okay. So, holy moly! <laughs> I just saw my rating drop thirteen points. Oh, man, uh, I didn't think it would. Oh, be- back, yes, MA forty. Here you come again. <laughs> no kidding. Come on, holy moly! Let's get excited. I wonder why that. I, I guess. This past weekend was probably included. It shouldn't have been. There's, uh, I, I'll say a, he would have had to submit the ratings by now. Well, I got uh, and B, yeah, well, uh, it's, it's ratings it's, details included, evaluated the, included. The eight, the Holy 899, cow! The nine thirty five and the nine twenty six that I shot. Okay, that dropped my rating down eighteen points or thirteen <sighs> points down to nine eighteen. So, All yeah. right, super exciting. Uh, and also, in case anyone asked. Or was wondering it. Quite customary. We've talked about this. That we have a winner from this weekend uh, join 
And with me covering Huck Central, it made perfect sense. I did not see a moment of paid shoes play, uh, although congratulations, sir. Uh, I had reached out uh, and got a, a confirmation back from this afternoon from MJ, who we invited to join us here tonight, who would have, which would have been great to have him again. Uh, he, however, said, I feel like this is like the Ken Climo, uh, same response from Climo. He plays poker on Tuesday nights, and he said somehow it's been over 10 years of playing poker on Tuesday night with, with the same group of people. So understandably there's traditions, there's love, there's brotherhood and everything else. Uh, but I had extended an offer out to MJ and, and understandably. So, uh, that guy's playing poker. He's just trying to double down or triple down on all the money he won this weekend, which actually, I don't know what their stakes are, but I don't blame him. So, uh, I just wanted to make sure that the world knew, uh, that yes, I did in fact, uh, extend the offer to him and congratulations. Just thinking, uh, he had recently, in February, turned. Do you know all these? MJ. Yeah. Oh my God! Don't be insulting. <laughs> I know, that's what Don't I was thinking. I feel bad. You always he, guess low. He yeah. he looks older than I think he is. I be, I would guess forty six. Okay, he just turned forty four. He's a a few months younger than than me and you in in a sense. Uh, so yeah, MJ forty four and the Eat fact it, that MJ we got hair here. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he played uh to the level which he did, and he had a, a relatively slow first round, and then came out and really destroyed uh the Grand mm-hmm. Central course rounds two and three, uh just incredible. And and I can't say enough about Alan Wagner and the game that he played uh this weekend as well. I don't maybe it was just a money thing. I don't know why he didn't play MP forty. Excuse me. Why Allen didn't play MP40. He is more recently eligible for MP40 uh, play. I think he's, he was saying he just turned 40. And uh, the fact that he was a leader going into the final day, the final round, and was hanging right there. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome to see. And some great competitive talent coming up to challenge both of those guys and then some. But, yeah, the wily old veterans doing work out there this weekend. I was going to say, now that I think about it, you could probably add up their two PDJ numbers, and uh, I guarantee you they're the lowest than the, the lower than the next guy uh, that was challenging them. I just thought of that. So, all right. I don't, I don't have much in terms of news. Anything else uh, newsworthy? We've got a few things we could chit-chat about in the after show. Of course, if you've got questions and uh, other conversations we need to have, we can do so in the after show. But I think for in terms of a regular show, we can wrap this up. Wrap it. All right, folks, that's been Smashbox Podcast 2, or wow, 254, 454. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining. We're going to have an after show. We're going to have a giveaway. I've got some more action to give away there. Uh, We'll also talk about things golf and non-disc golf related. Hit us up in the chat. We'll make it happen. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. We'll see you in the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.